Well, good afternoon and welcome to Moments with Christ. I'm Leslie Green, your host, and we certainly hope that our podcast today will be helpful and beneficial to you. And may the Lord bless you with the message today. Well, good afternoon. This is our our introduction to Moments with Christ. This is our first season and our first episode. And so we want to introduce what Moments with Christ is really all about and for our vision for our um, podcast and for our mission and simply trying to help you understand what this podcast is and, and, and hopefully you'll be involved and glad to be a part of it. I'm Lusky Green. Let me tell you a little about myself. I was born in the state of Arkansas uh, back in 1953 in a little town that's quite famous now, but not nearly was then, and that's Bentonville, Arkansas, home of the big corporation called Walmart. Uh, I was raised in the South. I was raised in Arkansas, Texas, and Oklahoma, and mostly in Texas. I went to a little high school called Muleshoe High School. Uh, quite proud of that, the, the Muleshoe Mules. It's been years, and well, I haven't been back since I joined the Army. I was in the Army for four years, decided from there to go into ministry, and I used the, the VA bill to put myself through a Bible college, a little Bible college in Mississippi uh, called Magnolia Bible College. And I graduated from that in seven years. It took me a little while. And I've had some postgraduate work at Fried Hardeman University in Henderson, Tennessee. Anyway, I've been in the ministry of the Word since 1978. I have devoted my life to preaching the gospel as I understood it and as I had been exposed to mentors who were also gospel preachers. This is really important. There was a point in time in my ministry and in my growth as a minister in Christ that I began to see and understand some of the problems of being committed to a tradition and a traditional ideology. The the congregations, most of church that I was ministering to, they were locked in to a paradigm about the church and about scripture. And if you studied scripture and it went counter grain to that ideology, it, it It said more than they had seen, or it said it in a different way. It was problematic because there was a complete dedication to, and this is not a bad thing, a complete dedication to what they believed, and I I believe that is the truth and the way that God wants us to understand that truth. I understand that very clearly. A great deal of my foundation that I rest upon for what I believe and what I teach comes from that paradigm, from knowing the truth, believing the truth, and speaking the truth in such a way that people understand it. The problem is, I realized that if I was going to be a completely independent student of Scripture and Scripture alone and not be captured by outside sources from Scripture, any element that comes from a different source than Scripture, 
I came to the point that I had to realize if I was going to be scripture only and preach the truth from scripture only and communicate that truth in ways that connect with people's hearts and minds, then I had to change the paradigm, not of the foundation of the truth and understanding the truth and teaching only the truth. Never left that. But I did change, and I had to change. In fact, I had to completely start all over. I had to go to ground zero and begin to follow a a principle in studying Scripture that led me out of the bondage of being trapped and not being able to teach all the Scripture in the way that the Scripture was being portrayed and people could understand it. What happened is I became a preacher that confused people. And I was a preacher that caused people to question and to doubt that I was truly a gospel preacher. And consequently, people were very, very selective in allowing me to come and be a part of their congregation in the teaching program because the last thing the church wanted is confusion and doubt. And I understand that. Now, that that began years and years ago. That, that began at least 15 years ago. I want to give some shout outs to some people that are very, very important to me in my being a gospel preacher and being a person that now is wanting to proclaim the message of Christ to the whole world. And this is just one of the tools that I want to do that. First of all, I want to give a shout out to a brother who was an elder of the church in Alabama. His name is James Hopkins. We call him Jim Hop. He has done more for me in helping me understand that the paradigm that locks you into seeing things only a certain way was a real bondage. That if your eyesight and your heart sight was was bound by this paradigm of how to understand this particular doctrine, if you're locked into that and can't really look at what scripture says, then you're captive to that ideology and you're not free. And he has done more to help me break out of that bondage. I am completely free from the idea that you could only see a doctrine according to an ideology that has been established and has been ingrained in people's minds in our group. And that it's been that way for, for at least 70 years, maybe longer, and he's helped me to break out of that and go to the scriptures and teach the scriptures the way they really are, what they're really saying. And if people have problems with that, then the way you communicate that is to create curiosity in people's mind, just check it out and to search. That one man, Jim Hopkins, has been a tremendous blessing to me in in setting me free to be scripture only. And then we have a couple of instructors that I really want to point out. There's many instructors that have influenced my life, but these two are extremely special. One of them is Dr. Ray Passeur. He was an instructor in Magnolia Bible College. Ray Passeur has done more to help me put the Old Testament in a framework that I could understand it and see how that 
Old Testament brings into view the entire story of God, both Old and New Testament. And Ray Passeur is the man that taught me how to study Scripture. He helped me with the hermeneutic of how to study Scripture. And and my entire system of study is based on his teaching on how to study the Bible. Now, he received that, and he'll tell you this, he received that from a man who I truly love, and that's Dr. Bill Lambert. He he was an instructor at Magnolia Bible College, and, and I studied under him, and he was a he was a fabulous teacher, uh, helped us more in illustrating how the scripture can be communicated with a sense of mercy and grace and understanding how God is for us and not against us. He really did a great job of that. But Dr. Bill Lambert is the one that taught Ray Passeur his hermeneutic, and Ray ran with it. I mean, it is a tremendous hermeneutic. And I use that hermeneutic to study every day. Every day I study, and I study a lot. I use that hermeneutic. Now, that's my background. So we're going to be looking at, and we're going to be studying scripture, but we're going to be studying scripture with a mindset that is completely different than the mindset I had when I began in 1978. And here it is. And I've got to give a shout out on the person that is totally responsible for my understanding scripture this way. This person doesn't even know. I don't think I've ever communicated to him or or ever let him know how much I appreciated what he said to me in just a passing conversation. It was just a passing conversation. Uh, it wasn't even an intentional, this is what you need to do, Lusky. It was, we were just, you know, shooting the breeze. And he made a statement, and I don't even remember when or where, but... It was a tremendous statement, and I believe he received this paradigm from Oklahoma Christian University when he was getting, uh, I think, his master's there. Anyway, Brother Gary Kirkendall is the person that is responsible for the paradigm of how I view Scripture, how I study Scripture using all the tools that I have been given from previous mentors, this brother absolutely made me what I am today in Bible knowledge and communication. I want to tell him how much I adore him and how much I appreciate this little kernel of truth that it it just floated in the air and I caught it and it hit me like a ton of bricks not then, but as I began to think about it. And this is what he said. He said in passing conversation to me, the Bible can never mean what it never meant. That is the paradigm that I live by in communicating scripture. It is the paradigm that I approach scripture with, with a mindset of understanding what the Bible meant not what man has made it mean over the course of time, but what it meant from the original author to the original reader. 
And if we can get into that meaning, and it's not easy, but it is doable. If we can get into that meaning and teach that meaning and then teach only scripture with that paradigm and meaning involved, then the power of God's word becomes living and active and can change people's lives. Now that's how significant that little phrase is. The Bible can never mean what it never meant. Now there's a lot of implications and this is really the purpose of our of our podcast today is to introduce the uh the foundation of how I'm getting where I'm getting and saying what I'm saying and the way that I'm saying it. This is the foundation. If the Bible can only mean what it originally meant from the author and to the original hearers, then it is the case that the Bible can only have one meaning. Now that is absolutely true. The foundation of everything that I believe and how I teach it is based upon this principle. The Bible can only mean what it originally meant. It can never mean what it never meant, which means the Bible has only one meaning unless God tells us otherwise. And the way that God tells us otherwise is in the New Testament or when he says it in the Old Testament, and there's a few cases of that. But he says, this is that which was spoken by or as it is written, which means that he is applying it God is, through the Holy Spirit, is applying it to the circumstances of the day in the New Testament that he's speaking of, and it has meaning for the original reader and the original author as well. So it has two meanings. It's not a dual prophecy of Scripture. It has two meanings. It has the meaning that the author intended for the original hearer to understand, and it has the meaning that God has for us in the context of the New Covenant and the New Testament writings. And God alone can make that distinction. We do not have the right or the power to make Old Testament passage have multiple meanings. Only God can have that power, has that power. And when we do that, then we distort, twist, and make void the actual Word of God. We make a tradition, a theology, a a mindset based upon the scripture having multiple meanings, it is tragic in what that does to a person's faith. And it is tragic in what it does for the power of God's word. Now, with that in view, let us look at some ramifications of that. If the Bible can only mean what it originally meant, and it only has one meaning, and that is the original meaning of the author to its original hearers, with the exception, then our job is to find out as much as we can what that meaning is. What is that original meaning? And we cannot understand that simply by reading the surface of the text. We cannot understand the original meaning to the original reader simply and only by reading the surface of the text and then say, The Bible says, and what the Bible says is what the Bible means. That is not even close to correct. Now, there are occasions where that is the truth. 
And you'll find that when you f go deeper into the original meaning, trying to find the original meaning, you will discover that, that that author intended for the hearers to hear exactly what he said, and what he said is what he meant. That is possible, but not every scripture in the New Testament, Old Testament is like that. And when we when we have just a surface reading of the text and a surface Bible study of the text, and we say, this is what the Bible teaches. Well, let me just be a little harsh here, okay? Just a little harsh. The Bible only means what a person who was writing persons intended for what he wrote mean to them. That is the meaning of Scripture. It's not what we have recorded on the surface because there's so much that is missing from the surface of reading the text of Scripture. A lot is missing. And here's what determines meaning. Culture. The culture of the original writer in his day. What was the culture? And what is the culture of those that he's writing to? Because culture gives shape and form and meaning to the words that he's writing to them. And those words in that culture meant something then. And over time, that meaning of that word invariably changes. That's why you have the word, for example, the English word, if I were to say, these are the gay 90s. If I wrote that on a piece of paper and, and someone read that, Lusky says these are the gay 90s. The document says these are the gay 90s, and that's what it means. Well, if you didn't go into the background and the culture and the intent of the words being conveyed to the people that I would write that to originally, you would totally miss the mark because I write this in an article, and, and, and I say these are the gay 90s, and I wrote this, referring to a historical time period that was about 1890 instead of 1990, the meaning would have a totally different connotation. The gay 90s in the 1890s was a tremendous boon of prosperity and, and, and joy and happiness in the culture of America. But if you were to apply that phrase to the 1990s, and, and missed my point to the readers that I gave them, you would have a distorted view of what I said. This is a very important uh, truth about the Bible can only mean what it meant originally in the context of the culture in which the writer writes and the reader reads. And it has grammatical context of what the words he used meant in the time frame that he wrote them, words change over time. And you have to understand the connotation of the word that he is using in the message that he makes to the original reader. Because words have multiple lexicographical meanings, dictionary meanings. For example, let me give you the word strike. How many different connotations of meaning can the word strike have. Let's apply it to baseball. Is strike good or bad? 
Depends. If the author is writing about a pitcher that is constantly throwing strikes, that's very good. If it's talking about a batter who is swinging the bat and is striking out, that's very bad. Connotation of the word in context and time frame determines the meaning of the word strike in this instance. But what if it's the word strike and the connotation and the meaning of the word is tied to an oil field or a gold mine? The word strike could be either good or bad. We struck oil. That's good. The workers on the platform went on strike. That's bad. Two different connotations, same word in a same context. One is good and one is bad. And if you cannot distinguish between the connotation and the context and the culture, then we have difficulty making sure that something that is over 2,000 years old and we're looking at the words that they used and we just assume that it means what it says and it says what it means and we disregard all the things about context and connotation, then we have very difficult times sometimes at getting to the depth. Let me say that again. We have difficult times getting into the depth of the mind of God that is expressed to us in the words he used in the context he provided them to the author and the context of the original reader so that those words shape and form their minds in the correct way that he wants them to go. If we miss all that, we have a very low chance of getting to the real depth of power in God's word. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And then we have another level. Since the Bible can only mean what it originally meant, and since context determines meaning, then there's one other thing that really is important, and this is it. I have no right to bind upon you my subjective understanding of the Scripture, no matter how deep I have gone into it. I cannot ostracize you put you in a box and have no dealings with you because of that. It is going absolutely contrary to the purpose God gave us his word. If I look at you and I say, well, you're just, you know, you're not, you're not interested in understanding the real meaning of God's word. No, 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 no. That you don't know that you, you can't see that person's heart. What you know is what you have come to believe and to know, and through your depth of study and God being involved in that study, if we don't believe that God is involved in our understanding the word as we dig deeper and deeper into context, connotation, and meaning of words, if we don't believe that God is involved in that, in, a, in helping us shape our faith, we don't need God at all. And we might as well just throw this thing away right now. And everybody that God loves, he is wanting to and willing to help them have a deeper understanding of God's word. And therefore, every this is critical, every person is at a different level of growth in the faith that comes from the word of God 
from its original meaning. Every person is at a different level of growth. There are people that are far greater in their understanding of these principles than I am. I don't read a lot of commentaries outside of of Scripture. I, I just don't. I study Scripture, and I allow God through His Scripture to shape and form my faith, and when it contradicts what I think I believe or have believed in the past, then I surrender to the evidence of this new insight, and my faith transforms and grows and changes. Well, if you're locked into a faith that can't grow any more than it has because you're totally committed to the ideology that you are basing truth of your life upon, then you've hit the ceiling of your maturity in the faith. Since I cannot see the heart and the mind of a person, I can only hear what he says and see what he does, and therefore by his fruit, I can know him. But knowing him and judging him is totally two different things. It is my responsibility to share and to teach the level of understanding of the faith that I have right now and be totally confident that my personal faith is true. But the objective faith will challenge my personal faith, and I will have to grow in my personal faith to become more like the objective faith when I see it, understand it, and it changes my mind about what I believe, and I incorporate the objective truth into my subjective understanding. Everyone is in a different level of subjective understanding, and we must help them grow, not criticize them for not being more than what they are. It is our responsibility to accept everyone where they are and encourage them by your teaching them how you got to where you got and how you look at Scripture and how you study Scripture, and you help them to grow in their subjective understanding of the faith. The objective understanding will never, never change. But the subjective understanding within me and within you needs to always be able to change because objective truth challenges it. And when we understand it and believe the objective truth, then we shape and form our faith around that instead of around a a box that says this is what it is and it doesn't mean anything else and don't confuse me and don't challenge me. Well, okay, I won't. In other words, you don't have to listen to me. If what I'm saying is, is so challenging and confusing to you, cut me off and disregard me. But I'll never, I'll never criticize or judge you for that. Now, I'm tempted to. My heart in the flesh wants to, but I have decided to live by faith led by the Spirit of God, which is the objective truth and His person that dwells in my heart and my soul and the communication that He gives me through my research into context, connotation, and biblical meaning. When He changes my heart, it's permanent. 
So that is the foundation upon which my podcast is going to be given and published out. Know from whence I come. And I believe every word, every phrase, every sentence, every paragraph, every chapter, every book of the Bible has one message. It's all tied together, and it is Christ and Him crucified. And we need to spend moments in Scripture looking for and having moments with the Christ in Scripture so that the Christ that is living through Scripture can live within us. And that life that's living within us then brings us to the most important aspect of the paradigm that this study is based upon. Word is power. The power is in the Word of God. Understand that. The power is in the Word of God. But it's dead power. It's useless power. It has zero efficacy. Zero. If that Word does not become flesh and dwell among men, applying that Word into their lives. What good is it to know the word in the deepest way if it makes no real difference in other people's lives? It is zero power and zero efficacy if it's not applied, if it's not lived out. And so our podcast has the goal of Christ and him crucified and what that means lived out in a disciple's life benefiting other people. That is the purpose of our podcast. And so I'm inviting you to come and be a part of the process and the growth and encourager of others to come and be a part of the podcast and the growth that it is offering us to do. And if we'll do that, then our lives will be changed because we're not just going to be talking about the depth of God's Word and its application in a human being's life, but we're going to talk about the discipline of doing the application and how to do that. It's a how-to podcast. How do we do it? How do we transfer what we know in our head and what is written on our hearts? How do we make that become a part of our behavior and our daily life? And with that, I'll bid you to have a blessed week and a blessed life. And God be with you as you continue to study, apply, and live the Word of God. God bless. I would like to express how grateful I am that you joined us for this podcast today. I'd like for you to subscribe and like us on Facebook. That would be a tremendous 
gesture of friendship to us. I'm Luska Green, and we hope that you will have a blessed week.